0: Greetings and welcome to our Ancient Lands podcast series. We strive to bring education, inspiration, and honor to all our ancient lands, cultures, and relatives on sacred Mother Earth. There are many among us who are living examples on this earth walk of balance and wellness who carry their ancestors within their daily, ordinary lives, and who affect all of creation in a very good way. We are honored to share them here with you on our Ancient Lands podcast. Thank you for listening. Opuntoish, many blessings at the height of the summer season. Indeed, it is that time when the season, or what Scott Fraser would say, the pulse reminds us to reflect on our blessings. During this time of the year, we can truly see the fruits of our labors and we can truly share them in gladness. My sharing of this gladness is a conversation with Elder Scott Fraser. Scott is indigenous, to the Montana Plains regions, his people are both the Crow, or their original name, Absaroki, and I hope I pronounce it correctly, that's what I remember when I was in Montana, how it sounds, and Santisu. Scott is a knowledge keeper and has supported the sustainability of his culture, especially the practice of the Sundance Ceremony for most of his life. He is also the founder of the nonprofit organization Project Indigenous. Scott has established a long enduring relationship with Yellowstone Parks as an advocate for the bison and the wolves, doing ceremony for them in Yellowstone, as well as many collaborations with the Park Center. He has traveled the world educating as an advocate for planet Earth and the environment. In addition, he is also an artist and scholar. I met Scott early on when I began my master's program at Montana State University in Bozeman, Montana. I've had him many times as a guest speaker during the classes I instructed there. I respect and admire Scott greatly for who he is and what he stands for, as well as his upfront honesty and integrity. We start out our conversation in this podcast reflecting on Scott's work in the early years of his Sundance ceremonies. From there, our conversation touches on art, religion, the planet, Indian people, identity, etc. Welcome! to our ancient lands musings with Elder Scott Fraser.
1: See how you deal with non-Indians, um, unfamiliar. Hearts in the good, hearts were in the right place. Everybody, you know, they did what was called upon them. They might have done it in sort of a goofy way, but um, they met their challenges. And I would say our band, you know, the, I would say they experienced something. I don't know what they experienced. That wasn't my job. My job was just basically to be challenged and undis- you know not discriminate and you know interpret what's happening for the moment. And was that was fairly difficult uh, most of the time. A, a lot of the people who came had not only identity problems but they generally had father issues and then those issues they took out on me mm. because i was the leader mm-hmm. person instigator mm-hmm. but we did our jobs we may have had our personalities we all have our personalities some of the things now as i look back you know those lines were blurred are blurred whether or not Somebody really violated Indian
2: protocol,
1: mm-hmm. you know, native protocol. Did, or did they just open up a door to, for me to visit something, a new approach? If you take the world right now and, and have a, an event, I think people are just going to face the reality that they need to go one-on-one with what they think is their Creator. Mhm And you know, stop all this nonsense about symbols and stuff they just need to get into one to one to one be and rejoice in that relationship instead of you know so often you know people throughout my life i I, I was uh I was put into Christianity when I was a baby and I didn't have a choice
2: Right.
1: and then later when I was older I didn't have a choice there either and and that was Christianity and then I went to Quaker boarding school so you know you get all these different philosophies but one of the philosophies was uh, you you know treat each other good. That was one of the major philosophies. Mm -hmm. I think some of these major religions, not only the Native Americans, I think everybody's getting challenged on um, treatment, you know, of each other. If not, they're being exposed on poor treatment of each other. Right. And some of this to me, you know the native people like down here where i live the native people they're doing their ceremonies they're doing their customs and they need to be left alone you know let them do their things and that'll it's going to help all it's going to do is help what we have forgotten in colonizing what we have forgotten is our relationship to our planet, you know, to our environment, you know, to the pulse, to the pulse of our environment, to the pulse of the earth, the pulse of the universe. Now, in the way I was brought up, there is no such thing as homelessness. There's no such, everywhere you are, you're at home. There was no such really, really no such concept of wilderness it's home Mm -hmm. but when we got taught about wilderness then all of a sudden wilderness became fearful and now all of a sudden we have homelessness and we're homelessness at many different levels and those who preach should be down taking care of those lost people Yeah. yeah but Did people just need to, I was in the city, I was in Virginia, I was talking to at a, a university there, Longwood University. And um, this woman raised her hand and asked, she said, okay, so you're out there in Montana and, you know, you have all kinds of indicators of the pulse, you know, winter, spring, summer, fall, rain, mm. drought, mm-hmm. you know but here we are in the city, how do we do it? Okay. And, you know, the first thing that I, I said, well, uh, I'm going to have to think about it because I didn't live in the city. But as I've gotten to think about it, well, certainly people should realize the day is getting shorter. Nights are getting longer. Nights are getting shorter and days are getting longer. That should show them the pulse. You know rainy season, snowy seasons, sunny season, but they're not making it they're not they're not making the connection and that that's where we're losing on our tribal identity in our relationship to the earth <clears throat> you know events like Crow creek um standing rock protest you know it brought a lot of attention to Indianness you know indenness but i didn't go i i I thought why should i give an oil company a bunch of money on gasoline to drive over to north dakota south dakota and get arrested It, it didn't make a lot of sense to me i felt really bad about the the pipeline and i felt that i could send some money which i then did but I didn't go to Woodstock either.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, it gets a little convoluted. I was just, uh, on my last podcast, I was talking to uh, Michael Lane, who I had interviewed, and he said that there was a thing that happened that was internal, well, outside internal. So whenever somebody has an idea of what they want to do to advocate for something, there's always another group that wants to come in and then people start having problems. So there was an incident where somebody came in and uh, said, well, we we don't traditionally do things this way and, you know, started creating rules. So there's always some kind of outside dissension that comes when you have and then it becomes internal uh, when you have these big huge congregation of of folks but you know I understand that when you're saying that yes you know you can do it in another way you can uh, we each have our own abilities you know to be able to do something so I understand that
1: well, that's the best part about religion, of, you know, having your religious leaders be dead, is that you can make up whatever you want now. <laughs> and, you know, there's no quite nothing there to question. There's a lot of things that has to do with that with dealing with elders. There's, you know, people my age, you know, we went and talked to elders, but if you weren't in the room, witness that discussion that's all made up now some of the ceremonies well the ceremonies aren't done the way they were done but you know maybe that's the evolution of that ceremony those are the people that are doing the ceremonies it that's their business not mine my business is my relationship to the Creator that's it oh yeah and if if the People want me to do something, you know, do a blessing or do something. You know, I have to think about that, you know. I was asked to do a blessing for a wedding coming up in September in England. And, you know, I thought about that because I'm divorced. And I I thought, gosh, you know, I don't know if my luck is good. Um, But because the families asked me, you know, I'm sort of required, you know, it's a requirement. So I'm okay with it. And one of the things that I got to thinking about was the best part of what people, what people should do in a relationship is to recognize the small things each, each does for each other Mm -hmm. and say something, you know, you know, somebody, does something you know really nice and I, I I, look back at my marriage and I did not say enough thank you and I didn't say it enough and and that was that's a failure and uh, I think people going that extra little mile you know whatever it may be for you is a sign of love mm-hmm. you know
2: and
1: that, that's that's what keeps it all going. I won't. I won't do any. I won't do any weddings. People have asked me to do a wedding, and I won't do them. I. I, I just don't. I think they should just really get down and sort that out for a while.
0: <laughs> I really admire you being honest about how you feel as far as integrity, because. I'm uh, a licensed minister as well. And I, when I was married for 20 years, very Mm. difficult marriage at the time. And that's when I got all my credentials and I did Mm. weddings and I thought, I'm in a very, not a very good marriage. And what am I doing, (laughs) you know, doing this for people? And, you know, it's really strange, but there were some people that did not last their relationships, you know, so I'm thinking, what, what am I doing? So I haven't done anything like that for a long time either. So I really admire your integrity in thinking about that. Because unless, you know, we come from a good standing background, I mean, I don't know that maybe I'm maybe we're too hard on ourselves. I don't know. But I feel like what you're saying, too, is that you you've come around to to understand that the family really honors you and and honors who you are and they want that blessing on them from you so that's another twist you know so sometimes you have to take yourself outside of the situation you know but I think that it is a blessing they see it as a blessing for them and
1: yeah I've had people comment they they um you know have a feather and they'll say could you bless this feather and I I'm like "I, I don't I don't think I have the I don't think I have it to bless an eagle feather. I said uh, the eagle had that blessing. Mm. Who am I? Well, it's, and it's, it's the same with the, same with the buffalo robe or some of those things people bring. Would you do this bless on this? And I was like, I just—it's bigger than me, you know. And I don't know if I can help it. It should help me, you know, but I can't ask for it because it's not mine.
0: Well, I think you're just going through a change right now because I feel that um, in the old days I don't know I'm, I'm kind of Bible read and a lot of the old um, patriarchs used to always give their blessings on their children and the people that they love and they ask for that blessing and it's nothing that you have to be some God or something to do it's coming from your heart and I know you're that kind of a person I think you're just questioning a lot of yourself right now. That's all. But I think that all, all the way, all the way around it, you've got, you've got what people actually uh, want, and that is just to be- bestow your energy towards them, your spirit. I think that's what it is. That's the blessing.
1: Well, there's a lot of uh, you know the exchange now is different because. Uh, I don't, I don't know. Sometimes you, you look at, at, the, at the movement uh, and how, how people are and, you know, how uh, the, the prayers work and, and you just think, you know, there's a, there's a lot of work going on right now at, at, with a little show accomplishment, but that is sort of how things go. You know, if you're gonna pedal a bike up hill, you do a lot of work get, mm-hmm. getting up there. But mm-hmm. it, it seems like, and I, I, I think people are, are some are well. Let me say this about natives: Just natives, natives were really on a really good path in the '60s and '70s. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of really progressive Indian women involved in some of the things that were being done, uh, especially through the American Indian Movement, like uh, Animate, Akwash. Uh, some of those people, they just did such good work. And um, it seems like when we get somebody that gets really up there and is really a shining light we tend to want to snuff that light out for some reason and i think in the 80s and 90s we sort of kind of went backwards a little bit um, now i think where we are now um, because i'm from the artists you know community i see native people who are you know, they're they're not going to take it. They're going to be uh, demanding a price. They're going to want that price, in, and they're standing up for themselves. They didn't do that 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Somebody came in and offered something for beadwork, and, been, and that's basically what you had to take.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But now, now, I think... Um, Indian art is, of course, it, it just takes a certain person that likes that kind of thing but all you have to do is say this is Indian art made by some medicine person and that's <laughs> sacred and you can walk the holy path if you wear this beadwork and it's going to cost you $2,500 <laughs> I mean And people buy that, you know, and you, I remember these, I remember these two old guys, my uncle and my grandpa, and they were laughing and they were laughing and I said, what are you laughing about? And they said this guy came and interviewed them and they were telling these stories and they were having such a fun time with this guy and making all of these stories up <laughs> and then that guy turned around and wrote a book and oh. put all those stories in there as factual and and that's what that's what happens mm. you know it may be funny at the time but it doesn't turn out to be so funny you gotta watch what you say
0: well i didn't know i I kind of look at what you were talking about with the $2,500, you know, beaded piece of work. And I remember when I was in Scotland and I was in this shop and they had all these different rune kits. And some of them were, you know, manufactured with stones and stuff. And I thought, well, if I wanted to get something that's from this shop, what would I do? And I spent a little bit more. It wasn't, it was like $35 as opposed to 12 you know. On this mm-hmm. rune master that did you, you uh, tree branch stuff instead, which was a, you know, probably, I don't know if it was less expensive or anything. But I felt I wanted something from a person that was mm-hmm. there. And I felt like, okay, I was willing to spend a few more bucks more than that other. And the thing is... Is it authentic that the medicine person made the the necklace or not? They could have said something. That's something that somebody wants to have, something that um, was handmade by a person from there. But I guess it's kind of a respectful thing. I wouldn't want to go traveling and buying in a gift shop things that were Native American but made in China, and you find that all over the place. So but i'm glad that what you said is is as happening that native people are starting to ask for what they're worth because a lot of the hand goods that they make are traditional practices i mean of of just harvesting their materials you don't just buy them in the store you know a lot of things are harvested and worked on like in the in the uh, Dakotas, I mean, still people do quill work. That's not easy stuff, you know. When you're when you're actually dying that quill work and and working that, that's people don't understand the process. So that's beautiful that they're getting some money for. I hope, you know, some people are. Yeah,
1: you never get enough for for quill work. A lot of work on quill work. Yes. You know, it, it's time consuming and and. But you know, I was doing a show up at Old Faithful, Um we did the first Native American art market
0: mm-hmm. at
1: Old Faithful last month.
0: Oh, wow!
1: And you know, I was looking at you know who who comes into you know, who comes into Old Faithful Lodge. We're right in the lodge.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, a bunch of tables. Mm-hmm. And. Um, I was like looking at, watching these, and I was thinking about, you know, here are these families with little kids. Mm-hmm. They go in the gift shop, you know, and a lot of people didn't have money, a lot of money. Mm-hmm. The economy is not as in good shape as people right. say. Uh, that's just marketing. And so they were coming and they were buying something. And I remember, you know, my dad taking me to Crater Lake.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm. in
1: Oregon. Mm-hmm. And he bought me a knife with a beaded knife sheath, mm-hmm. clearly made in Hong Kong. <laughs> but it wasn't the point. The point was I got it from my dad at Crater Lake during this trip. That's the memory. Mm-hmm. And and so, you, you know, for marketing process purposes, Here's a design. Well most of us are artists, and so we steal from each other all the time. What? You know, who makes a beaded earring? You know I see a design, I'm going to make that earring. I, I, if I could. Mm-hmm. But you know, seeing some of the art now that's coming out, just a fine artists, you know, painters and um, jewelers. Um, you know, these are non-traditional art forms, fine art okay. and so you know the natives are really succeeding in those areas and and fashion because we had a fashion show at Oakleyville. Oh wow. And so I, I think there were two or three women that were showing their fashions and <clears throat> so it was a really interesting to see you know that native people have stepped in and one of the women at this fashion show, she had done a fashion week in Paris with her show, with, with her thing. Wonderful. Now why isn't that getting out? Mm. You know, those are successes. Mm. And and those are also things that will give young Indian women that are doing on then that are doing fashion in their notebooks, you know, give them an idea that is it could be done, you could do it.
0: And doing it with your own integrity, honoring your culture, because obviously it makes her different as well, standing out. Yeah,
1: that's where, you know, artists, we bend the rules quite a bit. (laughs) Because we can take a design that was a traditional design and use it in a new way. Oh, definitely. it, It may be a controversy at first, but, you know, other artists like the same concept and they will take it too. I remember when they were first doing some of the silver work and the, um it, it, you know, silver work Spanish taught. So it was in my lifetime and I saw that it go from traditional, solid traditional, and then a few artists started doing these different kinds of things where they would take Rainbow Man and they'd make Rainbow Man go completely around the ring. Or the bracelet
2: mm-hmm.
1: in a way that was new, mm-hmm. and all the old old craftsmen they flipped out. No, you can't do it that way. But this guy started selling them, and he was selling a lot of them. So,
0: well, it, you know, we'll look at how we survive. All our our ancestors survived with their with their art and craft, uh, the beads we didn't have glass beads it came no. from europeans but how they created they adapted their their culture and created these new innovative pieces because of that and even the threads the threads with the with the um the tribes that did all the uh, embroidery
2: mm-hmm. you know
0: even up north i mean that was they didn't have those threads before but they used new materials and created new items that had motifs that are part of the culture. They never let never, that die.
1: Can you imagine the moment a woman was given a needle? What that, what, what that must have felt like when she finally was given a needle and thread? Here, just try this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I, bet, I bet that was, um, uh, you know, like discovering the wheel.
0: And the artisans, you know, the the, the craft, the intricacy of what they, the, the talent, our, our ancestors are quite were quite innovative. And it gives us, you know, what they did, obviously, what you're talking about with these new artists are becoming very innovative. And that's a good thing. They have that freedom now to at least be able to exercise that. Like you said, it would be really wonderful to have the younger people see these and get introduced to to these ideas so they can become continue to be inspired but that's so wonderful what were you doing there at this art show
1: what was i doing there yeah
0: yeah
1: um i started was the guy that got it started oh yeah i was the one that brought it up
0: well how did that come
1: about Well, they asked me to do a couple of days last summer at Old Fable, you know, because I make dolls. And uh, they wanted me to show my dolls. And so I went up there and I said, you know, this would really be, what would really be cool if, um, you know, Native have a bunch of tables in here and have natives selling their stuff. Mm -hmm. And then that kind of went to the head of that organization, that company. And then they called me up and asked me if I wanted, well, and then I went down to Crow and I, I, I got a bunch of artists. And um, yeah, so it, it just came into to being. And then um, the beauty of it was is that, you know, for the artists, everything, the tables were free the setup Wonderful. was free, wow. and then they put us up for two nights. Amazing. Yeah, I'm thinking about going up to the park at the lake, but I'm I'm not sure when. Possibly next month. It's really good to do business in the park because um, that that group, you know, they're connected to all of all of the national parks.
0: So do you have a do you have a doll that uh, is online or something that people can see what they look like or what you do? Do you have a shop?
1: You know, I did. I did have a Facebook page for dolls, and then I took that down um, because you know I do a series of dolls, and then I take their picture. Well, when those are gone, they're gone. Mm-hmm. So I. I have, um, I really don't have anything available, a museum in Wyoming. They took all the ones from last winter. So I don't have, I don't really have any dolls right now. I'll start making them in October. I'll have them probably, I'll put a Facebook online thing probably in October, November.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah could you explain what they're like and what... well
1: I'll go get one
0: okay good That's. I didn't want to impose but thank you <laughs> yes yeah, so well I've been
1: making these about uh, 30 years so this guy he has ribbons
0: ah yeah
1: he was
0: best of class
1: First place.
0: Wow, what's he made out of?
1: So that's elk hide. Yeah. It
0: has a breastplate. Is what? What's the hair out of?
1: That's real hair.
0: From. Wig. From a human hair. That is so cool.
1: So I'll go get a girl. A plain, I don't know if i call them, a plain Jane. <laughs> <laughs> this is a little girl.
0: Oh, a little girl, yes. With the hair of the, wow. Very beautiful.
1: I generally sell them, a, you know, they run anywhere from 2 twenty five 25 and up. You know, there's a, couple, there's a couple of them I would sell. You know, over a thousand dollars. I wouldn't let them go for less. But I made maybe I made maybe two two hundred and fifty wow. to three hundred dollars.
0: Yes. Well, they're all obviously one of the one of a kind. Um, yeah. What inspired you to do them?
1: One of the say, well, my mom, my mom, my parents, my mother was a a really good bead, bead worker and so we would she would do shows
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um so I sort of had tried to figure out something I could do so I could spend time with them you know so I was in Montana they were in Arizona
0: oh okay
1: and then we would meet someplace and we would do a show together oh well, how wonderful I don't. I, didn't come up, I couldn't come up with an idea of what I could do. What could I make? What would I like to make? And I just had, you know, I had a dream and then I thought, thought of a doll that we had in our family that was my grandfather's grandmother's doll. And I looked at it and I thought, I, I could make that. I mean, I couldn't make exactly that. And I could make that and so then Um, because I was in the, you know, hair business, I, I knew how to get hair. And that's really what set it apart at first was, you know, those were the only dolls that had really human hair. Mm -hmm. So that comes into a taboo in some tribes, you know. So when I would do a big show, um, sometimes I'd have to explain, you know, this is from week. It's not a. Voodoo doll. <laughs> and it's not a kachina,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which was, you know, well, is this a kachina? No, it's not. Is it a representative of any tribe? And I know because I did not copy any beadwork design out of any photograph.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Out of respect for all the tribes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, this isn't a, this is kind of a, claims Indian style. Right, right. But it's not a try. There's nobody.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So those were sort of the dilemmas that I had to come up with, you know, and face at the beginning. But uh, no artists, there was no artist that was just doing dolls. I was maybe the only one that was just, you know, because they'll do big things and then earrings and then maybe one or two dolls. Right, right. But and then I sold and I sold and I sold, and i I did pretty good uh, actually and i the only problem is is I was get do two, two or three shows, like I would do Haskell, which is in Kansas, and then I'd do the herd Show, which is in Arizona, and then maybe went along the coast mm-hmm. Well, I'd have to have $20 per show, Mm -hmm. so I was just burned out Mm -hmm. after about 10 years of that. So I'd make a few and I'd make a few and then um, I decided I would see what I could, how many I could make and I think I got 28 and I thought well, I guess I'm back into making dolls. <laughs> I might as well find a show, so I started looking for shows.
0: So that's wonderful that you just did this. It wasn't that long ago, right? This this whole thing that you did at the park.
1: Yeah, that was in June.
0: Yeah, that's great.
1: That was the, that, and uh, I'll go back.
0: I'll go back.
1: I'm trying to figure that out. Um, but I just moved, and so
0: you know. Acclimating.
1: (laughs) I I put money someplace, and I don't have a clue where I put it. (laughs) Clue.
0: Yeah, it takes a while after moving. Yes. So yeah, it's a good thing to just get used to your new space.
1: I was really interested in moving, and I was interested. I moved back towards the reservation. I've actually looked at two or three houses on the reservation thinking that you know if I liked them but they were so trashed Um, and you know the taxes were high
0: Hmm. wow so
1: I just uh, (laughs) honestly I think I got my feelings hurt I think I've, I've tried to do a lot of things for my tribe you know I've, I've taken and done workshops down there and I've got them different things and 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 then set up this deal in the park you know and I, I just feel like uh, I could go in there and do all kinds of things and it's hardly ever noticed
0: or acknowledged that's what yeah, it is and, and I know I'm
1: not supposed to you know Want those things because you know it's all a gift from my people, but at the same rate, you know, I think I only have you know a good 15 years left, you know, physically. Um, and why do I have to spend them trying so hard, trying hard, hard to deal with? With my people, because they're fine, they're happy. You know, they're doing their ceremonies. Right. They're, 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 keeping their culture as best they can. Their culture is evolving. The people I worry about the most are people like me that are mixed bloods and they're in the city and they've had their, you know, um, their lineages have been disrupted either by adoption they've been adopted out as kids or or the military or you know the, any many uh, different reasons people left the reservation went into town once you've got that you know off the reservation mentality you know, how do you survive on the streets of Billings, Montana has mm-hmm. been a mixed blood. You know, you fall in with the people who allow you to join. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And they may not be Indian.
0: Most of the time they're not.
1: (laughs) So those are the people that really are struggling. And, you know, my life, my lifetime, it was really good because there were still people alive um, that allowed you to come back And they shared with you, you know, stories and, Mm -hmm. and foods and, you know, I, I would go show up at my clan grandparents' house, Grandma Susie would run over there and she'd grab something out of the freezer, here's some dried moose meat from Canada, you know, and it was like, it was a delicacy, Mm -hmm. and, um, we would sit and talk and i listen to them, and, and, you know, I could care less what was going on outside the door. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping, I really hope that that's what's still going on. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not invited into it, but I'm, I'm hoping that young people are still being welcomed in and given traditional foods.
0: Well, I think what you've been doing, like, creating the art that uh, group at the park and the people that come into your life, so you're doing the same thing. Maybe it's not generally all Indian people, but you're offering what you know back that was given to you. And that's still a blessing. That enhances the rest of your life. You know, instead of I'm learning that it's important to just do what you your heart tells you to do and not wait for permission. I think that's the, that's the the crux, you know, when you're, when you're mixed breed and uh, you are um, not, you know, you're an outsider, you're you're always trying to do the right thing. And usually the right thing just never seems to happen. (laughs) So you have to find it, well, you can put your life on hold or, uh, and then that gets depressing after a while, or you can just say, okay, what, what do the creators want me to do, and um, I'll just do my best, and yes, I'll probably get ridiculed, or somebody will talk behind my back, or whatever, but um, along the way, you're touching people's lives, you know, and I think that's what has been important, because you touched mine when I was in Montana, and I feel that I know that I'm not the only person um, uh, because you were always out there. My husband, too, Marcus, you know, you are always out there, you know, um, being there for people. And that's another thing I wanted to ask you is what got you out there talking to people and being with the community?
1: Well, there's a time to be out and then there's a time to withdraw, you know, and there's a time when you're... You're to be in the people, and and the people are to draw off you. And then there's a time for you to withdraw and mm-hmm. and reflect on on that experience. And so those days those days are passed. And I'm in the reflection time. And the reflection is is really important because mm-hmm. um, so many lessons were taught, and you know so many times. <laughs> You, you see yourself like a fish going for a fly, you know, out of the water, <laughs> and and splashing back, you know. And you're like, I went for that again. And like, I did it again. It's it's a it's a beautiful life. Uh, I've had a wonderful experience. I can't say I can't say I've enjoyed much of it, and I have gotten very mad. Um, and and depressed but you know um, I know what the face of depression is and when I see it in the crowd I I go to try to touch that person
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, why do I did it why I was there I was in places I had no business being with no credentials being But I was there because I was supposed to be there Mm -hmm. for some reason. Mm -hmm. And, oh, gosh.
0: We will now take a short break for our sponsor, Anchor, and return shortly. Welcome back to Ancient Lands as we continue with our guest, Scott Frazier. I, I
1: remember, well, one of the experiences... One of the experiences I had, cause I had so many, there were so many blessings, but um, I was asked by Nestle Water Budapest. Hmm. This is Nestle Water Hungary, not Nestle Water for, you know, USA. Because I was teaching about water and our organization had a connection with Nestle Water. Oh. And so I was asked to go to Budapest. And I was just like, I was sitting in a room in Parliament, in Parliament, mind you, in Budapest with all these dignitaries and all these huge, and the cameras, and they were asking me, you know, scientific stuff. And I had, I, I I was, it was over my head, clearly over my head. And I was telling them, you know, that, you know, bottles of water and the plastic needs to be addressed. And, and just then I... I I said, and, and I would like to give a gift to the to the the watching it. I, I It wasn't the prime minister; it was somebody like that. And I had a necktie that had a buffalo on it and an eagle and stuff. So I took my necktie and I said, I want to give you this gift. And the place went nuts. <laughs> and he took his tie off and gave it to me. <laughs> That went on the 6 o'clock news to all of Hungary. Now, why was I there? Who knows? But I definitely, there was a moment that everybody in Hungary had an opportunity to see me get my necktie to the, whatchamacallit. It's a funny thing. And I got into a lot of those kinds of places, and I did those kinds of things. I, I'm really it's amazing. Now I'm reflecting on some of those things, and what will I say? What will I say that will be the most meaningful for the most amount of people? What can help? How, how can how can my next whatever delivery, my next speech, how can it? Impact and help more people. How can I do that? And that's sort of where I'm going
0: Well, I remember the last time I was when we were in Montana, I think towards the end of the jaunt there. I remember you were going to Russia
1: Yeah, I met with Obama in in Russia.
0: Oh my goodness. In
1: in Moscow. Uh Uh-huh Before the G8 summit and and um, yeah, that was, that was very stressful, but what was happening was, well, two things, two, two pieces of message that I wanted to give them, but I, that I didn't know I was going to do, but one was, um. It it was, so the the thing about water is is it's easier to maintain a river that's not polluted than to try to clean up a river that is polluted. And so in Russia, there were a number of rivers that were still not polluted. And they were trying to figure out ways to monitor them. And I suggested to them is that every school on that river You start in the second, third, fourth grade and have them start monitoring that river for the rest of their school career. And you will have now, you know, a series of uh, data sets that will be collected that you can, you can then refer back to, but you can also, you can maintain that collection indefinitely. And you could do that for free by just asking this teacher to collect these <laughs> certain, you know, different types of samples. Mm-hmm. And um, and they were amazed that that was a thought. <laughs> they could actually get school kids to do that.
0: It'd be amazing <laughs> for the kids, too.
1: Yeah, so... Uh, that was the one thing that, that I thought shocked them. But the other thing that was uh, happening was is that it sounded like some groups were taking nuclear waste and dumping them into the bearings up into the, you know, up into Siberia, mm-hmm. off Siberia, into mm-hmm. the ocean. And those were then coming into the indigenous communities and the indigenous communities were having high rates of cavities and Mm -hmm. and cancer. Mm -hmm. And so Putin was just, you know, go in there and take the survivors and ship them off to St. Petersburg. And so, you know, my comment was you, you've just killed a, a culture, you know, you need to keep those people together. So that was, I was out on a limb there, um, but, you know, trying to get people to, to give, but, you know, I was trying to give a voice to Native people, but I, um, well, I, I, think, was, I was pretty well frightened the whole time.
0: Well, that was amazing that you said that because, I mean, that's exactly what happened to the people in South America. You know, they yeah. shipped them into the cities, so, wow. It's happening every... Well, we know that. So to put you on the line, speaking of water, I was just thinking about it, because we have... Um, there's a whole thing about removing the yeah, dams. Yeah, the dam across. Yeah, yes, did. and I was wondering what you thought about that because there's huge issues up here with the Klamath um, coming down from Klamath Falls and going into the ocean. And there are people that are all for it, environmentalists, and then there's a lot of people that are not. And there are both sides of the story actually sound quite interesting. And uh, so I wanted to ask you if you had any thoughts on that.
1: Well, I did. The thoughts I would have this administration would not implement, but if, if I, was in, a, in If we had an administration that was interested in getting people to go and, and get to work, yeah, I would have them form CC groups, such as, you know, out of Chicago or New York, or some of these big cities where they could get these kids to come out and then take the dams down. You know, and get these kids, young people, these young professionals, students or whatever, opportunity to get out of their neighborhoods and then do something for the environment i don't see any reason why most of those dams their life expectancy you know was about 70 years because of the backspill and the sludge and all of that and so probably their time to come out anyway
0: yeah one of the the other side of the story is that that sludge is so contaminant that when you remove it when you remove the dams that any life in the river would be exposed to all the toxins and not survive too well so it would be like removing I, that sludge. Then they need to remove the sludge right before the dams are moved yeah but
1: there's what but they're you know you got to catch them admitting to something sounds like they're admitting that sludge is bad news well yeah well that's Good thing you caught it before it went down the so now get it out of there. And again, you're still, you're putting people to work. Uh, you've got to avoid, you know, the man camp concept because, you know, that's very unhealthy. But you can put a bunch of people to work, especially young people, uh, work off their student loan. You know, mm. make opportunity. Instead of just saying, No, this no we can't do it, you know, get a bunch of young people in there that can do it, you know, come up with some ideas and do it. Let's implement.
0: Right, because the big thing is it's to it's gonna cost, you know, millions of dollars, but something like that that you just brought up that yes, well, people can pay off their we loans. Take
1: away a few golf trips, you know. <laughs> I would pay for that.
0: The, the, the
1: excuse of money and then what we put into war just doesn't work with me.
0: Right.
1: You know, we have, from the minute we got up, stood up and, you know, got the club in our hand, um you know, that's what we've done and we haven't figured out an alternative. We, yeah. we, we are still the primal, you know, violence. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I understand getting pissed off. You know, I I, I understand getting mad. It's when you close the fist, you know, it's when you actually make that next move. That one we shouldn't be doing.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: But I think if we got young people out of the cities, and got them some fresh air. I think a lot of that violence would, you know, decrease.
0: Yeah. Oh, it does change the attitude. That's for sure. <laughs> well, I, and I would take.
1: I take. I would do it really military style. I take those young people out. I strip them down. I hose them off, just like you do in the military, <laughs> so that everybody's the same. You know, no rich kid, no poor kid. Mm, mm. We're all the same. Mm-hmm. And let's go get to work. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, uh, I saw this picture of these little kids. They were probably two, three, four years old. And there was maybe four of them. And there was like a little girl, a little boy, a little boy, and then a boy holding a flip-flop like it was an iphone and they were all smiling at it like they were getting a selfie Uh. (laughs) and i thought to a flip flop (laughs) yeah we had you know we we had a great childhood we got to go and see salmon we were able to see all kinds of things I went to Shiloh Falls the last year before they flooded it. I saw, you know, Mount St. Helens with the top on. (laughs) You know, I got to see wonderful things that, you know, being afraid of the gang down the street. Gosh, that just, you know, those poor people in the cities, you know, they're just the poor people I feel sorry for.
0: There's a lot of fear definitely working on fear
1: yeah and our food's just totally the meat's full of adrenaline and that's fear you know from the slaughterhouse i mean it's just full of adrenaline and fear and we're eating fear and i just wonder you know it's going to be interesting to see how you know 40 years from now it turns out really
0: but speaking of your youth um and what you got to see I i wanted to I just wanted to kind of recap you know your 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 background like where you're from uh, how your your folks you talked about your your mom and such a bead worker and and I wanted to kind of touch on your grandfather and um, you know I know you were real close to him so I just wanted to hear some of those well, reflections we
1: Gosh, I sort of use this term we, but um, the way no the the normal way an Indian is supposed to see things is that you have, you know, clan grandparents, clan grandparents, clan uncles, clan aunties, cousins, you know, we have an extended family. So when I use the term grandparent, my grandpa, generally I'm talking about two different individuals.
2: mm
1: mm-hmm. One from When I was little, and he was my dad's dad, and he died when I was in boarding school. And then I was just uh, floating around doing, you know, stupid 70s stuff, and I needed to get squared away, and my clan grandfather stepped in, and then he... He became very, very dear to me, Uh, and I respect both of those men. They were the best men. Uh, They were just the nicest men. Hmm. My dad's dad, my first grandfather, um, he was a full-blood santee, and he was one of the first Native American physicians. Wow. His grandfather was to be hung at Mankato. Uh, Abraham Lincoln pardoned him if he converted, so he converted, my grandpa's grandpa, my grandpa's father was then a minister, my grandfather's brothers were ministers. Ah. Because, uh, you know, you converted, with, with the threat of being home, you converted for generations generally. So you converted for yourself with your grandparents, your son, your grandson. So we were, you know, I've been doing my, my dad, not my dad, but my grandpa, you know, there was still fear that we could, he could get home if he didn't do the right things.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So he became a physician. So when I actually met him, you know, he was an old man. He was really an old man, and I was a, you know, I was a child, and so, you know, he would, he would babysit us, my brother and I, and, and um, basically he would, you know, tell us stories, and asks us to think about things, and then, um, you know, send us outside, and then we would sneak around. But he was a wonderful man, that got. My dad, My dad was, uh, he was a Marine, and he went to the Pacific uh, during World War II, and I think that did him in, but then when he got home, they sent him to Korea to the Chosan Reservoir, and that was uh, pretty much, uh, I think that probably was the one, Korea probably made him the most angry. Mm -hmm. He was very angry and severe. So, I was sent to boarding school when I was 13, 14, you know, Jim, freshman in high school. And um, when I got out of high school, I went and tried college, which was not very much fun. And then I started working, kind of being a rascal, drinking too much, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I decided something had to change, and so I went to my clan grandpa, and I told him I wanted to go fasting up on the mountain. And um, he said he'd never sent anybody before, but he, yeah, I can do it. Uh, Wow. So uh, that next summer, uh, he he did, and I went up fasting, and I had an experience extraordinary experience, um, changed my life experience, and then um, I started participating in the Sundance, helping him, uh, going around with him, uh, helping him wherever he, whenever he wanted, you know, I, I, I drove him places, and then uh, he had to go someplace, and we'd, we'd drive there, i drive him there. Um, but there were other grandsons doing the same it, i wasn't alone i wasn't alone in, in his treatment of, of 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 the grandchildren he he was a storyteller he had a, a good hunting experiences and yeah. he talked about funny times when animals turned on him and and and, and uh, you know But when he was with me, you know, he was with me, and he was telling me things, you know, and uh, so in 1983, well, in in 1981, I went to him, I said, I went, I had a dream and I want to sponsor a Sundance, and so, yeah. Um, so we would wait a year, uh, we would study, and then we would do it in 83, so we we did that. you
2: know, it,
1: it was really, very, really, very really difficult. Mm. Um, it was very difficult, but uh, it was a highlight, and, and people, you know, they knew who I was. And, you know, we did the Sundance. And then, um, I had an accident in the, where I was working in New Every, and that uh, changed my life again. So my grandfather, he wanted to retire, and so he found somebody that would that would uh, fill in for him, and it re, you know, would be his replacement. And so they had that um, they had that ceremony. I was there at that that time, but um, it seemed like there was um, some difficulties. I began to thinking that. there shouldn't be any difficulties. I should not be thinking that there are difficulties. I'm in no place to be judging that there are difficulties and I need to step back. Hmm. And so I went fasting up in the mountains, uh, down like on the globe, not, yeah, so in Wyoming, so I'm in Montana, so down in the mountains. Mm -hmm. And I went fasting down there and, and, you know, um, with another challenge, and I, I honestly, my grandma Susie, Grandpa Tom's wife, she said uh, she said to me one time, she said, "You be careful what you pray for, you
2: know.
1: <laughs> We're in these fasting places. You be careful what you pray for, you know." Yeah, that it's true, and, and they'll challenge you. You know, you get challenged by by. The 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 drama of, of spiritual quest, I guess. But there's work to be done. Sometimes there's work to be done, and so I saw all of this as being work to be done. And I was young, and I could do it, and so I did. And you know, Grandpa Tommy came by and saw me a couple of months before he died. Kind
2: yeah.
1: of to make peace, I guess. Well, I went across some boundaries and then and I was challenged, but I never lied to anybody. I always told the truth. And if I, if I did a Sundance, generally, you know, it was not a secret, though maybe not advertised. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did Sundancing for 30 years, and it, uh, it was a good thing. Um, I don't think that people should do those. Ceremonies like that really uh, that don't have some kind of knowledge about fasting Because those are hard fastings and, and if you don't know if it's a three-day Sundance or a four-day Sundance And if you're not comfortable, if you've never fasted, you, you're, you're going to be in the Sundance No food and water for three days or four days So I always suggested people, you know, go and be uh, a helper a few dancers, mm-hmm. and then if they like you, they'll invite you to come in. Mm-hmm. So often um, in the early days, my early days, you know, people showed up, and we didn't know where they were from. And so some of our dancers, you know, the the tribal dancers, they wouldn't go in because you know, they gave up their spot for those people, or or they didn't want to be around them. Mm. And with that, you know, then they eliminated themselves because you don't want to go in with a negative attitude.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Any of these ceremonies that Indians do, I suggest, it, you know, people just, they shouldn't do them. They're just really hard. <laughs> They're just really hard. And it's easy for a novice to get com- blamed for screwing it up. <laughs> hmm So, I hope that the Creator starts to give us new ceremonies that we all can witness and enjoy and find sanctuary, which is what the ceremonies were designed to do. You know, to find sanctuary and asylum in your relationship to the Creator. But it starts there. It starts in that relationship with the Creator. Which leads you to the ceremony.
0: I like that. I like that because I feel the most important thing I find when I am in that special place with a traditional circle is that it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, that intense. Because even in California, we have sometimes 10-day ceremonies and people from all over come and every night there's dancing and and it's you know, and of course all those dancers fast. It's nothing like, it's not like the the sun dance, but there's a lot of stamina you have to have in order to just participate in that. So I understand that because just in honoring creators by coming together in a simpler ceremony, you just wanna be together, that's what it is. And when you can be together, in that really good way it's easy to be yourself and I think that's the beautiful thing about what our ceremonies have brought us is that togetherness despite the fact that you know they had to come from a very um, intense manner uh, because I guess most of our people had a relationship at the time. We weren't distracted so much with uh, with all these other things that happen. It was okay to go into a place like that because we're so used to the land, we're so used to the elements. But we're not anymore. So it is really hard because we have to really divorce ourselves from this environment that we put ninety eight point nine or whatever percent of our time in. So, it is a big uh, shift. It's quite diverse. So, um, you're right. We need something that is gentler and still brings that unity that I, you, we do feel we have when we do participate in, in those old traditional ceremonies, because there is a unity. Yeah, you know, there is powerful unity.
1: One of the things that I like, are, uh, I go to Quaker meetings. Because it's just sitting and and uh, you know it's silent
2: mm-hmm.
1: and And the reason I like it is because you know the element the elements of of ceremony, you know to, to, to orchestrate the ceremony, um, you, you really have to have that connection mm-hmm.
2: uh,
1: to to the pulse mm-hmm. to know whether or not this is an audio ceremony. Is it visual? Uh, are we going to pound? Are we going to drum? Are we going to chant? Are we going to sing? Or Is it mournful? Is it happy? Is it rejoicing? You know, that is the orchestra, you know, the, the conductor. It
2: mm-hmm.
1: facilitates that. We aren't all those things, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so the beauty of a ceremony is, is that the conductor finds the elements to bring together and those elements then do the ceremony versus I'm going to do all the parts. I'm I'm going to do Shakespeare and I'm going to do all the parts. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the idea is that ceremony, covenant, you know, is a good word. Ceremony is your personal covenant with your creator. That's your traditional, personal thing, and we always call it your medicine, that's your medicine, that's your
2: mm-hmm. personal
1: relationship.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that should be very private. That, that, that one, you should be protecting, protective of it, and not give it up. Because the next groups of religions are religions of slaves, who are slaves to that religion. Mm-hmm. Or there have been, uh, enslaved, and this is a way to get out of the enslavement. Mm -hmm. Traditionally, Native American religion, it wasn't a religion of slaves. It was a religion of free human beings, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and that's the piece that we need. in what we're discussing, you know, is let the old religion, let the ceremonies be with those who know how to do the ceremonies and the communities that do the ceremony, Let them be busy doing that. We should be busy making the connection to the creator and figuring out how can we be inclusive, not try to be somebody who's, you know, being the conductor of an event horizon. What I'm getting at is, is that we as human beings, we think we're so lofty. And that we can do a ceremony. And that I could get off an airplane and I could go over to our workshop and I could do a ceremony in beauty. It's the arrogance of of the human being. that thinks we're so pure and and so enlightened. Every minute we are getting more enlightened. Mm -hmm. We are learning. We are learning. And, And then we will learn enough that we will actually get to participate in death. What we're seeing, you know, with the religion, you know, what we're seeing is a, a real challenge to the faithful. Uh, are, are, you, are you going to continue to be a representative of, of that religion in that form of treating each other nicely and, and not being, you know, driven towards greed or such, such things, you know, such things, whatever. But we're being challenged, and that's shaking people, and they're getting challenged right down to the core. And those who are not are going to be watched. You know, we're, we're all watching everything right now. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, you've got our attention now. We have to decide is this the way we want to spend our lives? Watching the drama unfold in D.C. Is that how you want to spend your life? Or would you prefer being in witnessing the pulse of the universe? You know, here's the here's the thing. Which one do you want?
0: Well, I think that what you're just bringing up, what's changing everything. I think it was necessary. I think it was necessary for people to stop paying attention to what all that is about so that they can come. Like you were saying before, yesterday when we were in conversation, is this stuff here that's really connected to the earth and all this stuff that we're dealing with, ceremony or how you feel, how you treat each other, all that is the real stuff. This other stuff, the academics, the politics, the whatever it is, that's arbitrary and actually a nebulous kind of thing even though it makes it seem like um the dominant focus it's a distraction to reality and so it is it's really a thing that is challenging humanity at least mm-hmm. humanity in our society to really you know question what is it that you really what you really care about and that reflection comes back to me as a person saying I care for my sanity, and I care for my and I care for my wellness and uh a chance in my life to have some joy instead of fear and what's going to happen to me next, <laughs> you know because those things you can't trust anyway it's obvious everything else in that other nebulous dimension uh has no um reality as we're finding out maybe some people are still believing that that's reality but there's a lot of people that realize now that it's not and I remember when it first started happening um, and people were so depressed so depressed that this was happening in our country and they didn't know what to do some people even said I feel like killing myself this is not a place to live (laughs) and I realized wait a minute (laughs) that's not who you are that's why we have to come back to ourselves what can we do we're very valuable people every one of us and people that really can see this reality are the ones that can reflect to others this reality you know and I think that that's why I honor you because you have despite the trials and and the traumas that we all go through and you're going through particularly right now but the thing is you have dedicated your life to the reality and that is really what um, is the rock is the real stuff in your life and maybe yes there's been some adjustments in all of it it always changes nothing is ever the same but just just like your talent with your, your, your dolls. It's like, yes, uh, maybe there's not a call for certain times to make them, but then all of a sudden there is, and it becomes rejuvenated. It becomes readjusted and uh, revised to the present time, just like we were talking about um, art, our art, our indigenous art, you know, it becomes uh, evolved. It never stays the same there's a link that connects us through the generations to whatever we hold on to as indigenous people. But um, we change and we hold on to that link, whatever that means to each individual one of us. And I think that that's what uh, is uh, important. And uh, I think anyone that has a, a connection to their family and culture understands that. Your mouthpiece is very important because you you do have that connection, and any of us that do. So I'm, you know, really wa- honored to hear your story. All these pieces of you that uh, I didn't hear from you before. <laughs> it's well, very beautiful. You know,
1: there's, there's pieces that aren't so good. You know that that, that you know taught me that was those were mistakes i there are things i wished i had done different but i i tried not to do things again that i thought were stupid
0: well we're human (laughs) well
1: and and not only that i'm male which doesn't help me either especially as a young male a lot of you know testosterone all driven up inside there you know, and then four years of boarding school didn't help, so. But, but you know, I always loved my girlfriends. I, I still love them. There's a couple of them I'm not happy with. Whereas, you know, some men, you know, they don't even know who those guys were. You know, those women that they dated, they don't even remember who they are, you know. I I think sometimes we just have this wrong idea about, one, the sexuality thing is just so, it just got us all hung up, you know, the sexuality thing is is a primitive concept and when, when we're young and everything, when we're flopping around doing, you know, drinking and partying and, you know, making making mistakes with other individuals, wanting to make mistakes. Some people got caught at that, you know, and they ended up having children. And then they got, their lives changed. You know, I was so fortunate, you know, my, uh, I was in a time of female birth controls, you know, and, and everybody was on the pill. And unfortunately, I didn't get to have any children, you know. I would have loved to have some kid walk up to me and say, hey, dad. But that's not going to happen, you know.
0: You never know.
1: <laughs> I, I, th- I think that that sexuality thing is, it's too, left too much to the spontaneity of the moment, which can be just really crazy, especially induced with alcohol. Hmm. So I, I got rid of. I did. I quit doing alcohol. I think I'm a, about thirty-nine or forty years now. Congratulations!
0: You know? That's amazing.
1: Yeah, it is. It is, and it isn't. You know, you're you quit drinking like that because you know you quit for many different reasons. But what I did is I. I took that addiction, and I supplemented it with my love for the Creator.
0: Well, that's what I think has to come first anyway. It's wonderful. That's what what I
1: did. And then I did the Sundance, and those were short-term goals. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're at five years, and then you're at six years, and seven years, and then it's ten years. And you go, wow, the ten years went by. (laughs) <laughs> and so when I do a lot of times when I'm doing college c- classes and I talking to the students and I said yeah well I quit drinking I said how long ago and I said how old are you, <laughs> <I said 23, laughs> you know, all of your life <laughs> Yeah. all of your life but you know those are those are rewards you know that's a good thing you should be proud of that you know so I am
0: and that's something to be proud of because it really does make a difference. I mean, even when you talk about being old, you know, older. I can speak for myself that you know, even women. I hate to say it's not just men's problem as far as hormones. And women can be pretty out of it um, with the hormones. The beautiful thing for women is that they can evolve out of that, and it is a big change in. Uh, emotion and thinking it's like my gosh I wish I was like this all the time I wish I was like this when I was younger you know so uh, you know maturity is a blessed thing despite the fact that we don't always have the energy or the ability to do things that we used to we have the wisdom and uh, so luckily for your students in the university they can hear some of the things that you have to, to offer and hopefully, they, they take it and carry it with well, them.
1: Well, a lot of the things you know we're talking about are just things that I thought about over the you know, course of the last few years. And I watched a lot of the Indians you know, struggle with marriage. Um, but women and men are dedicated to each other in the Native community. And... I look at some of those, you know, they've been married 60 years, and I said, bless them, you know. How lucky is that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, the, the, thing about, the thing about the pulse of, the, the, the pulse of our planet is it, it's all good. It's all good as long as it's working. Everything's good as long as it's working. It's sort of like you take a glass of water that's clear, and you pour in food coloring. You know, for a little bit, that food coloring... Doesn't really change the color, but you'll start seeing that color turn redder and redder and redder and redder until it's actually red. Mm-hmm. Water loves anything. There's nothing that water doesn't love. Love. Water is like the most prime example of the elements of love. Mm-hmm. It accepts anything. If you, uh, and if it doesn't, it you change the state. So if it doesn't like heat, hmm. it'll evaporate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, there is nothing that water doesn't love. Mm-hmm. If it's cold, it freezes. It's just a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. And in that love, you know, we we are just missing the connection that water has to us and what we are to water. Mm-hmm. Thinking about some of these, Spaces and, and times, you know, that we have coming up. If we don't have good water, the, the planet will come to a point, and it, it's they it refer to it in science, they refer to it as a tipping point. What we're not understanding is that it's our responsibility to keep this machine running properly. Because if it doesn't, then what happens in the universe? Is it, There will be a change. It's either a chemical change, a temperature change, but there will be a change.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that change will then cause our planet to stay in balance right. to the rest of the whole universe. Mm-hmm. It's in its place because it's in its place.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's in its place because it's doing what it's supposed to be doing. It's taken 60 million years to solidify into this moment that you and I are involved in. And what we've done so far is we've poked holes down in there and we've cracked it like peanut brittle, you know? Mm -hmm. With with our drilling. Mm -hmm. What we're going to do is the, the planet is going to come to a moment and it's going to change. Just like the water changes color. It's going to change, and the question will be: Is what we have as a physical condition be able to survive the change? Because it's going to be, it's going to be chemical, or it's going to be heat. It's going to be something to where we're going to have to adapt, and most of us, in our gentle beings. aren't aren't capable of that kind of adaptation. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to sell doom and gloom. What I want to sell is is that we are responsible to keep the machine running properly, and that's what we should be thinking about so that it doesn't
0: tip. Right, and in every level of our lives, really. Mm So, yes. Regardless, it's been a pleasure. I really am grateful for this. So thank you so much. Thank you for joining our visit with Indigenous Elder Scott Frazier. Please contact us and or subscribe to our Ancient Lands podcast for further information and scheduled events regarding Scott and other knowledge keepers, advocates, and artists.